0: If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Exodus, Uh, we're going to begin in Exodus chapter 15 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, no worries, we got one for you. Look right in front of you, there should be a Bible there. Exodus is the second book of the Bible um, as we continue our sermon series entitled, For the Rescue of Us All uh, this morning. Um, Again, so grateful that God has given us his holy and errant word to lead and guide us and to never let us go astray so uh, let me start off by asking a question Uh, i want to ask this beloved congregation how many of you within the last year that's like 365 days in the last year how many of you actually have been to a mall anybody here been to a mall okay a decent amount of you have been to a mall i mean i i worry about malls Uh, at one time a big part of many of our stories but with amazon these days are you kidding me you can sit in your Lazy Boy, uh, I'm seeing Ruth back there, with Costco here these days, I'm sorry. But with Amazon, you could sit and just order about anything you could think of. I mean, for those materialists, this is not a good thing. And you can look and search, and by the way, some days you could get it delivered the same day, right? I mean, that's just kind of crazy, is it not? uh it kind of scary uh, how much that fuels uh materialism it uh, fuels like hey uh the spur of the moment i think i need this let me see how much it is oh it's there oh i can have it by noon tomorrow oh i think i really need it boom it's there but malls i mean there was a whole thing about malls that you would go and they would all together you can go look for things some people thought it was more of a social thing but to me when it comes to malls there's two most important things of a mall. the two things that are critical right you guys know them. I know you know them. The first one, of course, obviously, it's the food court, right? I mean, you got to have a food court. You want to know, like, you know, what are you going to eat? Uh, the better the mall, the better the food court. You're wondering, hey, do I want Italian, a slice of pizza? Do I try? The, I, I'm kind of feeling Chinese, but, you know, what kind of chicken is that really? And You know, I mean, am I going to feel that for days afterwards? You know, then you always got to stand by like, oh, there's Chick-fil-A. I know I'll be okay there. Or do you want a burger or or, what is it? And then you get kind of paralyzed. What do you want? And you stand there for an hour. But food courts are important, right? But especially, you know, not to be uh, sexist here, but maybe just for men. I don't know if it's the ladies too, but most important thing other than the food court is what, guys? Okay, well, that could be it, Julie. It's really, it's, it's, it's the directory kiosk. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I want. It's just, let me know what stores are here. Let me know where I'm going. And the best thing about a kiosk is when they get that big dot on that thing and they say, you are here. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. This is, this is where I am because I want to know exactly where I am in the mall. I want to know exactly how I got to get to where I got to get to and get out of the mall as fast as absolutely possible. So you are here uh, for those of, who go and, and, and aren't there just for the food court, and the experience, um, want to know that reality. Where are we? Well, it's not only important to know where you are uh, when it comes to the mall. Way more importantly, it's more important for you to know where you are in God's story, Right? I mean, where you are in God's story, because sometimes our lives feel like walls crashing in on us. Sometimes we have a hard time seeing beyond our our circumstances, beyond what's going on in our lives, and we're trying to figure it all out. And you want to know, where am I, right? Especially not only where you are in your personal story, but but for the Christian, more importantly, where you are in, in God's story. Where are you in God's redemptive history? You know how does this make sense what's happened behind you where do you got, know find yourself now and where are you going so we're going to look at that this morning really important it's going to be one of like those dots in, in scripture you are here and isn't it amazing that we're going to find where we are in the second book of the bible isn't it amazing that we're going to find where we are so far ago uh, but only god empowered by the spirit that's where we're going to go so this morning we're in part four of a sermon series for the rescue of us all. Uh, We're looking at some themes in the book of Exodus. We're certainly not gonna cover all of them. We're not gonna go through the entire book. But what we're gonna see is God has a pattern. God has a way of acting. He's very consistent about it through what we call redemptive history or the history that is that God redeems and rescues his people. That's what God does. He's a rescuer. He's a merciful God man, we're sheep that are prone to wander. We get ourselves in all kinds of conditions that need rescue. And this is what God does. He's a rescuer. So so we look at a book like Exodus, which is really the whole thing is about rescue. And we even see that as you study scripture, you get to this this Mount of Transfiguration in, in Matthew 17, where Jesus is on this mount and and there shows up some old testament like moses and elijah they're they're hanging out with jesus and they're talking about his exodus huh? that that exodus is not only god's pattern of old it's 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 god's pattern embodied in, in christ jesus that he is that embodiment of it and we where we find ourselves in the story so we see how god how he rescues his people and specifically How God rescues his people from slavery, um, from what's binding them, and he leads them to a land of promise. That's what the story of the Bible is all about. And we see over and over again this biblical pattern of how God does it. Um, And we see God's formula for rescue. We've already seen in the first three weeks a typical pattern is that God raises up a, a savior through a miraculous birth, right? Uh, we saw Moses had a miraculous birth at a time where others were trying to kill him and how that God preserved him in a basket, right? And how God used Pharaoh's daughter to rescue him. It's incredible. But we realized Moses was an amazing rescuer, but he really just pointed to the ultimate birth of the ultimate rescuer, the ultimate miraculous virgin birth of God's son, Jesus. And it's same, similar situation where at a time where babies were being destroyed Jesus comes in to rescue us and see this this pattern we also see that God has promised personally to deliver he d- reveals his name to his people and he says listen Moses I'm going to use you but really it's me I'm the deliverer it's not you you're just an instrument I'm the reality. I'm going to personally come and rescue my people. I hear their cries personally. I see what's happening with them. I'm remembering the promises I have had. And I personally am going to show up. And I'm going to rescue my people. Well, you see that way back in Exodus. And you see the reality, the beauty. The, man, God puts on flesh. The eternal word of God would put on flesh and dwell among us. To come and to seek and to save the lost. That God personally rescues his people now hit pause for all of us who know jesus is lord and savior we, we celebrate this reality that the god of the universe the god who spoke all things into creation knows the hairs on our head loves us exactly the way we are and has worked out a place for us to be rescued not just yesterday but today and forever and they have time with him so we see this pattern last week we saw this really important passover lamb that god has provided a way for his people to to stand in the judgment of god and it was a really interesting story of plagues and at the last plague and the the death of a firstborn son in egypt to free god's people God says, listen, I, I got this formula for you. I want you to take this spotless lamb and I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to put blood on the door and on the lentil. And I, I, I want you to, that will be a sign. I'm going to see that blood. I'm going to pass over you. And you think, man, it's a crazy story. But God's people and faith, they did it. And because of that reality, because of their faith in God's provision, they were provided for and they were they were, they were were spared passed over from death and then you realize wait a minute that was just there was a bigger Passover that that happened to them was true events in history but it pointed to Christ the true Passover lamb that that as we are covered in his blood we pass from death to life and and that we're forgiven and we're purchased and we are his and this morning we're going to focus on Kind of that, that journey, once we become his, that lifelong journey of where we're going. Our journey through the wilderness. And so that's, that's where we're going to find our, ourselves this morning. Um, there, are, there are a few things that we are going to look at this morning uh, that will help us through this. Um, do you have the points perfectly? Um, we're going to realize that sometimes it's God. Uh, we're going to see this is where we are. Uh, Sometimes God leads us to bitter waters. Some of you may feel that that's where you are right now. Uh, We're going to realize that sometimes God leads us to an oasis of fresh waters, uh, that God provides us living waters for the journey, uh, which is amazing. Uh, And God provides us bread uh, from heaven for the journey as well. Um, We're going to see God's word. We're going to pick it up in Exodus, Exodus chapter 2. And Robbie, would you do me a favor? Will you stand right now, and will you pray for the preaching of God's Word? I, I, I don't have a, a page. amen thank you robbie um, i know that was highly unusual uh, i'm missing a whole page of notes and so uh whew, here we go holy spirit right all right so um sir thank you man here we go which is awesome so let's let's pick up god's word uh we're gonna pick it up in in, in verse uh chapter 15 and i actually you can start in verse 21 i believe um, and I'm going to actually go for no extra charge. I'm going to back you up and give you an extra verse in verse 20. Now let me tell you what's happening. God's people through the plagues that God brought to the Egyptians, they've been they've been set free. Uh, they get to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh changes his mind. Says, "What am I doing? I want to go after them." Uh, God's going to part the sea for his people. They're going to walk on dry land, and then he's going to bring the sea back, and he's going to wipe out the Egyptians. And when you see God powerfully work, and I hope that you have, what do you do? You worship. You worship that guy. You say, wow, this is absolutely incredible. So that's what they're doing in verse 20. Then Miriam, uh, this is Moses' sister, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, uh, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. This is a, this is a revival. This is a worship service. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed great, great gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went there three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah, because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Mara, meaning bitterness. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a a statue and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, And they encamped there by the water. They set out from Elam, and all the people, the congregation of the people of Israel, came to the wilderness of Sin, which is in between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we have died by the hand of the lord in the land of egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger then the lord said to moses behold i'm about to rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that i may test them whether they will walk in my law or not On the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it'll be twice as much as they gather daily. That's the Sabbath. And so Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you're grumbling against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, and your grumbling against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you will eat meat, and the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. In the morning, the dew lay around the camp, and when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, finest frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, Well, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given to you. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in this tent." And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. When they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Let's turn to uh, verse 31. Now the house of the Israel called its name manna, which means what is it? It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Sounds pretty delicious. Moses said, "'This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread which I fed you in the wilderness.'" when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to them, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to keep throughout your generations. And the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna for 40 years till they came to the inhabitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. An omer in the tenth part of an flower, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Again, let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you for this incredible provision for your people. God, as they were in the wilderness, they just really did nothing but whine and complain. Oh, God, may we not be like them. God, would you come and feed us today with the true bread of heaven from Jesus' hand? May the things that I say that are just my opinion are wrong, may those things be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true, because God, we're on a journey and we're weary and we need to be reminded of where we are and we need to be reminded of where we're going. God, only you could do that. Do it for your glory, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. The first thing about this story is you are here. And so here we have God's people. And miraculously, they've seen God work. And here they've been set free from slavery. And now they're on a journey in the wilderness. They really wanted to go from grace to glory. They wanted to go from what God had done to them and just deliver them immediately into everything that was pleasant, everything that was good, everything that was wholesome. But God had something else for them. I mean, God says, man, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to show you how powerful I am. I'm going to release you from the slavery that enslaves you in Egypt. But you've got a journey to go on. And you're going to go on this journey. And in this journey, I'm going to test you. And in this journey, there's going to be trials. And these journeys are going to be hard. Uh, and in this, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to journey with you. Uh, but I, I want you to know that we're going to go together. But this is, this is where you are. You're going you're gonna to make your way to the promised land. And sometimes it's going to feel like you're meandering. Sometimes it feels like you're going to go in circles. But this is where you are. This is where your lot is right now. This is how things are going to be. I'll hit pause. You know, oftentimes we come to Christ and we have our sins forgiven and we have the joy. We sing our songs of praises. Man, I've been set free. I'm free from the sin that shackled me. I'm free from the hell that I deserve. I'm free and I'm headed home. And sometimes we forget, this is where you are. Guess where we are, my brothers and sisters? We're in the wilderness, right? I mean, we, we are not home yet. And no matter what, uh, best-selling author Joel Olstein will tell you, our best life is not now. I mean, we are journeying in the desert. And as we journey, it is hard and arduous. And something happens that God's people went from worship to whining so quickly. I mean, it was amazing. They were worshiping God, and how many times did you hear the word "grumble"? This is what they did, man. We don't. Yeah. If we can, we go back to Egypt and be enslaved again. If we can only go back there, you know, we had enough to eat, and here we got to eat this weird stuff on the ground. I want something different. I want a food court. You know, God's giving me nothing but manna for 40 years, and bro, it's getting old. I want something new, something tasty. These taste buds are driving me crazy. And they're like, I'm just going to grumble. I'm going to grumble. What did they see God do? What did God provide? And yet, they didn't like the fact. They thought, well, you know what? Maybe it's better if we go back and be enslaved. You know, it was easier to get God out of Egypt than get the Egyptians or get the, the Egypt out of God's people. It was easier to get God's people out of Egypt than get Egypt out of God's people, you know? And so he's got them on this journey to make them more like him. He's got them on this journey to imitate him, to test them and to go through things, to see the reality of, of where they are um, and to grow. Guess what? That's where he has you. It's where he it has me. Life, here, here's the reality of where we are right now by God's grace, saved by the blood of the Lamb, woohoo! have life and life abundantly, Ha-ha! be filled with the Holy Spirit, fantastic. But, but it's the journey of where we're going. Here's the reality. You and I should expect pebbles in our shoes every day of our life. And we get ticked off. Oh, man, how, how come this has happened? How come this has tripped me up? We should expect that we have sunburn on the back of our necks. Why? Because we're in the journey. Uh, we're, 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 we're not home yet. Uh, not only that, we should expect to be really thirsty sometimes and really parched, and we should really long for more. The reality is, is although we're loved and saved and rescued by the king, there's a longing inside because, why, we're not home yet. And we long for more, and we hate hearing that our brother has cancer, and it's more than what we thought We hate hearing that our kids are struggling. We hate the fact that our marriages have have sometimes dissolved. We hate the fact that we live in a world where where there's so much pain and there's so much sorrow. And and we wonder, God, where are you? What are you doing? Isn't there supposed to be better than this? No. We're on a journey. And he journeys with us. And and the beautiful thing is, is we we could look through scripture. We realize there's footprints of those who have gone before us. There's footprints of those who've gone before us. God has given us a pattern. When you look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, it says that God's word was written. Moses gave us the story. It was written, watch this, for our understanding, for us to know. Romans 15 is going to say the same thing, that God's word is recorded for us, not just to entertain us, not just to tell us about some people a long time ago. It's to say this is the pattern. This is where you are, okay? So so stop whining, stop complaining. God is with us, God is for us. God is leading us home. He's not gonna miss any of us. We're all gonna make it, but the way home is gonna be sunburned. The way home, there's gonna be pebbles in our shoes. And how does that feel as we walk along? The way home is gonna be a wrestle. I'll be with you, I'm gonna use it. So we look back and we see footprints that have gone before us. And it's kind of cool to say, but God was faithful to them. He's going to be faithful to us. But here's a more beautiful thing. If we look closely at God's story of where we are, not only do we see that those who went before us were to help us, but we see Jesus' sandal footprints. That he too was tempted. He too went into the wilderness. Scripture tells us as soon as he received baptism and the Gospels, it's chapter 3, immediately he's driven into the wilderness. I mean, that's the pattern from God's people. And what happens to Jesus in the wilderness? You ready for this? He's tempted, he's tested, he's tried. Satan himself comes to him and says, are you hungry? Can you change some stones into bread? I mean, if you're a ruler, can you really not be ruler? Come worship me and I'll give you all the nations. And Jesus, time after time again, refutes And he passes the test, and he gets in Satan's face, and he quotes scripture, and he succeeds in the wilderness. Now hit pause. So here we have God's word. We have people that are in the 40 years, trying to get to the promised land, 40 years after they've been rescued, that they're singing God's praises for what he's done. They start whining for the sand that's in their sandals. They start whining because of the heat, because of the lack of good food courts. And what God is doing, uh, they're, they're whining all the way home. And you're thinking, man, these knuckleheads, how come they're missing it? God is showing up. Every day they wake up and they have bread to eat. Is that not amazing? God is going with them. There's a pillar of fire at night. There's a cloud during the day. How could you grumble? Look what God has done for you. How can I grumble? <laughs> Look what God has done for me. And yet we do. And that's who we are. And so it's so good to point to Jesus and say, you know what, he didn't grumble. He gave his father glory. He, he, he was tempted, he didn't sin. He was faithful and true. And God credits that for us. You know, we now uh, need to imitate him because of his success. We can be successful as well. You are here, you're in the wilderness, all right? And let me just tell you, it's so important as your pastor, I just want you to know that. In the wilderness, you're going to be lonely. In the wilderness, you're going to have some brokenness you're going to deal with. In the, in the wilderness, you're going to be somewhat confused. Um, and it's, it's not going to be, it, the story is not over with yet. We're not home. We're going to wrestle, okay? And it, it's going it to be some hard things. But he's with us and for us. And he set us free. we got to see through the story. Sometimes, you know, God leads us to bitter waters. It's amazing. They got done. They got, they got saved. And God's going to lead them on a three-day journey into the wilderness. And here they go. And by the way, we can't let God off the hook here say that somehow the GPS of Moses was broken. I mean, if Moses had a better GPS, man, he wouldn't have taken them to Marah, in a place of bitter waters. He would have taken them someplace different because what we know is, yeah, Moses is leading his people, but who's really leading his people? God, right? And so here you got this cloud by day. You got this pillar of fire by night. And where does God lead his people but to bitter waters? What in the world is going on? We got to know that God's got ways on our ways, his thoughts on our thoughts, and there's times he's going to lead you to bitter waters. But the good news is it's not random. The good news is he's got a reason. The good news is that our God is able. So what does he do? God turns bitter waters into sweet waters. That's incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, he did have a purpose. And so, so how 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 does God change the waters? He says, "Okay, I want you to look around, Moses. There's a tree right there. I want you to take the tree and I want you to throw it in the waters, and I, oh, that bitter water is going to become sweet water." Now, I, I don't know about you, but you're like, really? <laughs> Well, then that tree, I mean, what kind of bark did that thing have? I mean, I understand that you could use different filtration systems, but you're going to throw a tree into the water, and it's going to become sweet? But do you think that God might be doing something bigger here? You know that throughout Scripture, trees are important to God. There's a tree of good and evil. There's a tree of life. It's in the beginning in the garden. And guess what? At the end of the story, oh, the tree of life is back. And it brings healing to the nations. In the midst of the journey, he's going to say, why don't you take a tree and and throw it in and, and we'll see what happens. At the climax of the story, it's a tree. It's a tree that God is going to use to take all the bitter waters of our life and make them sweet. It's the tree of the cross of Christ. I mean, there at the apex of history, is the cross of christ where god is going to pour out his wrath on his only beloved son and so that through his death through his blood our sins could be paid for and we could be robed in his righteousness it's through that tree that the curse of god was experienced by the son of god so the blessings of god can be experienced by his people man you want to throw a tree in the story throw the cross in the story and isn't it amazing that that kind of points to that Reality And because of the reality of the cross of Christ Jesus, Romans 8:28 is true. It's a crazy verse. You know the verse. You've quoted the verse. If you've been around Christianity, you've quoted it to others. What does Romans 8:28 say? "For all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord and been called according to His purpose. How many times has your life collided with that verse? How many times have your circumstances seemed to bottom out that verse? How many times have you been at the crossroads and say, is it true or is it my circumstances? And the only way that God is true by saying all things work together for the good is if there was that tree of Christ thrown into the bitter waters of sin and death. That's still in the wilderness. This doesn't mean that our loved ones are still not going to struggle. It doesn't mean that our marriages are going to all of a sudden turn the corner and everything's going to be wonderful. Let me tell you, we're going to suffer all the way home. And there's going to be pebbles in our sandals all the way home. And there's going to be a sunburn on our neck all the way home. And there's going to be a longing and a thirst until we're home face to face. He quenches our thirst he is the living water, and yet we long for more. Sometimes God leads us to an oasis of fresh water. So, okay, he provides for them, and then he leads them, and they go to this incredible place. They got waterfront property, right? I mean, they got waterfront property. I mean, it says that there's enough wells for every tribe. There's 12 tri- uh, wells. There's going to be like a, uh, plentiful uh, palm trees. Uh, everybody's going to have a little bit of shade. You can hang up some uh, your hammocks. Uh, it's going to be well water. It's going to be fresh water. Man, isn't that where you want to stay? Uh, a hammock for everybody, a little bit of fresh water, sip a little lemonade, Sit by cool waters. Man, I love these moments. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I usually try to live for those moments. I sometimes forget that these moments God gives us as a break and a, and a refreshment, but this isn't, we're not home yet. And I don't know about you, but, but I, I have a tendency to live from the next moment to the next event. As soon as one vacation's over, I'm planning the next, right? As soon as one event's over, I want to get on to the next. I mean, and you've got to live every step of the way, right? Um, but these are moments that God gives us. But he, listen, here's the reality. Tough reality. He doesn't want us to stay here. Not yet. Because we're not home yet, right? So God leads us from this place like this back into the desert, back into the wilderness, Back into the longing for the real longing of rest and peace. God leads us from here. No matter how hard you try, your kids are going to grow up. No matter how hard you try, that that best day, the sun's going to set. No matter how hard you try, uh, you know, it moves on. Um, But our God is going to give us more when he comes. So God is going to, what is he going to do? Sometimes he leads us to bitter waters. Sometimes he leads us to to sweet oasis. But even God can change the bitter waters and the sweet waters. But God provides us living water for the journey. Here's the good news. Living water that quenches our thirst, right? Are you thirsty? Of course you are. Life has made you that way. Are you longing? Of course you are. You're in the wilderness, just like me. But here's what Jesus says. It's a great story. Uh, He's in a place called Samaria. It was a nasty place for young Jewish rabbis to be. Uh, not a place that you necessarily want to go with your disciples, but that's where he is. Uh, they called them half-breeds there. They were not very nice to them. Uh, and he's, he's at this well. He's got nothing to draw water from. It's the heat of the day. And here comes a woman, a Samaritan woman, uh, that they don't usually talk to, the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the Samaritans don't talk to each other. In that culture, men and women don't. And here comes this woman. And Jesus is like, hey, uh, I, I see, uh, can you please draw me up some water? um you know i'm, I'm kind of thirsty and she's like you know hey you know wh- what you, wh- where's your bucket what are you doing and he says listen let me tell you something if you really knew who was talking to you you'd ask for me from water because why i could give you water that could really quench your thirst and if you drink from me you'll never thirst again she's like what are you talking about you don't have a bucket where do you where do you, go? Where do you get this water i'm it i know you've been with four or five guys and the guy you're with now he's not even your I know you're trying to quench your thirst in the arms of a man. It's not working, is it? I know that you have a scandalous reputation of a woman that shouldn't be doing the things she's doing. And I know you're running. I know you're thirsty. I know you want to be quenched. Come to me. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again, Jesus says. The water that I will give him will become... Uh, to him, a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Jesus says, listen, I'm living water that uh, will quench your thirst. I'm living water that gives us life eternally. John uh, again, 4.14 says, I'm going to give you this water for eternal life. Living water that flows out of our hearts. Listen to what Jesus says in the temple in John 7 verse 38 and 37-38. On the last day of the feast, he stands up the great day. Jesus stood up and cried, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink and whoever believes in me as the scripture says out of his heart will flow rivers of living water how amazing is that and you're thirsty anybody who's longing for more anybody who just knows that life just leaves you wanting and that there's holes in your life that you're leaking all over the place are you thirsty of course you are anybody who thirsts come to me and I'm going to give you life. I'm going to pour a spirit upon you. And here's the beautiful thing. As Christians, inside of our hearts, because of the Holy Spirit's presence, is going to be living waters that flow. And now God is going to give us the grace to, to let others drink from the gospel of Christ through the fountain of our lives. How amazingly beautiful is that? Come to me, all who are thirst. At the end of the story, the very last book of the Bible, Revelation 22:17. 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And the, let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who thirsts come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I don't know where you are listening or here. If you're thirsty, Jesus says, come. He doesn't say, get better. He doesn't say, work harder. He doesn't say that you've blown it so many times. He says, come. Are you thirsty? I got something for you living water. Not only does it provide us water, God provides us bread for the journey, for the the journey home. God provides us daily bread. I love how he does it to the the Israelites. Listen, I'm going to give you bread. I'm going to give you enough for the day. When it's the Sabbath day, you'll have enough to gather enough for that day, so you don't have to come out and work. But listen, don't try to store it. Don't try to hoard it. I'm going to provide you daily bread. They're like, oh gosh, that's not going to be enough. I got to make sure I got enough for tomorrow. It didn't go well. God says, morning by morning, new mercies I see, and great is his faithfulness. God says, "Let's not worry about tomorrow. I'm already there. Quit worrying about it. I'm going to provide for you today. I mean, don't live in fear. Live in, I'm a good father. I'm a provider for you. Every day, morning by morning, new mercies we see. Daily, we are to feed on God's grace and provision. And God says he's going to provide us from bread from heaven. There's this incredible passage out of John chapter 6. It's where he feeds the 5,000. And people are freaked out that out of a young boy's lunch, he's able to feed a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. And they're like, dude, man, do that again, because we, 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 we never had a meal like that. That was incredible. And they said, you know what? Our fathers before us, God gave us, gave them this manna. He gave them bread from heaven. But you know, they ate it and they died. And, he, and Jesus says, no, no, no. Moses didn't give him. God gave it to him. But listen, the true bread from heaven, I am the bread of life. You want to live? Come to me. And you want want to live? I am the bread of life. John 6, 31. Our fathers ate the bread in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. From the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread. This sounds like wonder bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I have a hard time with that because I came to him and I love him. I still thirst. But nothing has quenched my thirst like Jesus. And not only has it quenched my thirst, it leaves me longing for more. I can't wait to see him face to face. Bread that truly takes away our hunger. John 6, 35, again, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Have you come to Jesus? Have you tasted the reality that God is good through the work of his son? Because God gives us in Christ Jesus the true bread of heaven and the true bread that gives us eternal life. And who are we as Christians? I love this analogy. You ready for this? We are just fellow beggars that have found bread that want to go tell the world, good news. There's bread available for beggars like us. <laughs> those of you like us that are really hungry and thirsty for more, those of you who let this, this world has this drenched life out of you, those of you who, who feel like, come on, there's got to be more. I'm a beggar. But I came to Jesus and he's, he's the bread from heaven. And man, it, it, it is, I've, I've taken him in my life. I found life and life eternally. I found one who took my sins and he wore them on a cross. I took one who, who did what I failed to do and he's given me his righteousness. I found one that's made me one with the Father, he's united me back with the Father. I found one. I'm a beggar. I found bread. And his name is Jesus. Is that you? If so, go and tell. (laughs) Because I'm telling you what, the world's thirsty. And the world is hungry. And the world is confused. And the world looks at us, and here's what they think. We should have it all together. The world thinks that we aren't on a journey as well in the wilderness. We are. And some of you as Christians got to stop thinking that you go from grace to glory. We're on a journey. And there's going to be pebbles in our sandals every step of the way. But we have Jesus, and in him we have life, and life abundantly, and we're still going to make our way home. For those beggars like me, Jesus has given us a meal that tangibly reminds us that he's the bread of life, that tangibly reminds us that we're in the wilderness, but he wants to feed us along the way to strengthen us for the journey. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you For the true bread from heaven, Jesus. We thank you that from him comes living waters that quenches our thirst. From him comes life and life abundantly. God, we thank you for those who have gone before us that, God, their life is a pattern um, that that reveals your pattern of rescuing your people. Um, That, Lord, we could see that you're a good father who's provided for us all that we need. We see the reality that Jesus himself has walked in the wilderness as we're walking in it. God, may we be a people who worship all the way home and not whine. And God, may we be a people who knows that we are nothing more than beggars who have found by God's grace some free bread. It's the bread of heaven in Jesus. And we can't get enough. And we want to share it with fellow beggars. Oh, God, may that reality be so in our lives and in our church, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.